great to have your boys help out. It's always awesome. Braxton, yeah, come on up. You're the man this morning. <laughs> hey, let's give it up for the Bragg boys. Man, you guys are awesome. Always helping out. Not great. All right, this one goes to Jeff Sharon. It is so good to have you back in assembly. I'm so thankful you are feeling better. Uh, for one, uh, I'm so thankful for your servants, but we are all richly blessed by your sacrifices. So let's give it up for Jeff Sharon. Yeah. All right, what? Okay, thank you. appreciate that. All right. I wonder who told Jesus to flip his mic on. You ever wonder? Yeah. It wasn't Judas, I'm sure. Uh, Mr. D, your message was awesome. From Ty. Let's give it up for Mr. D. Woohoo! Tanya J, thank you for assisting me by donating such cute pets for cute pots for plants at the bazaar. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, you are such, and I didn't even write that one. Okay, anyway, you are such a blessing to me and a treasured sister in Christ. Let's go to for Tanya. Come on, Adrian, Tanya. Good job. All right, Tamra. Thank you for helping me with the plants at the bazaar by donating pots and also boxes for their safe travels. I so appreciate your thoughtfulness and servant's heart. Let's go for Tamara. Woohoo! Now, okay, Kaikilas is so encouraging to have you here in fellowship today. Prayers going up for your children and both of you. Amen. Get for the Kaikilas. It's great to see you this morning. I notice whenever the Kaikilas walk in the house, everybody smiles. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, Lars and Angie, I so appreciate your love of the truth. I also appreciate your great encouragement that you bring to the Lord's Church in the Pleasant Hill Fellowship of Saints. Give it up for Lars and Andy right down there. Okay, right here. Lars and Andy, there you go. Good. Hey, you know, this is going to be great. I'm done. I'm, I don't have any more unless somebody's got something they want to bring up. That'd be great. Thank you. Hey, you know what? We've been storing up uh, singing happy birthday to a lot of folks. So we're going to add Alton and Faith to that list. So uh, I, I know that there are several that we missed in the last few weeks. Have you showed up? I know you're not going to tell on yourself. Anybody have a birthday that you didn't get sung to? No, I knew that would happen. So <laughs> never ask the audience, right? Okay. Well, one announcement that I want to bring to your attention is on the bulletin it says that the, uh, the fellowship dinner for December is going to be the 21st, uh, Wednesday the 21st. I would like to uh, send an email out to everybody and ask you to consider some options uh, to a Wednesday night dinner fellowship for December uh, so that more people could potentially show up. So uh, one of the options might be a Sunday evening assembly here for dinner and a, and a short lesson on, on uh, the birth of Christ. So uh, I'll send that out if you want to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down, you know, and I'm not going to have any judgment, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you don't think that's a good idea, that's cool. If you think it's a good idea, that's cool too. So any other announcements uh, I might need to make?
wow, look at what time it is. I, I got some time today. Yeah. Okay. So let's, yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians in chapter four once again. The title of the lesson this morning has to do with hope and how the one hope can actually help us build great trust in one another. And I think you'll see how that works. So notice it says here, Therefore I urge you, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. I would really encourage you, because our lesson is on hope this morning, is to actually do a study of all of the passages of Scripture in the New Testament that actually use the word hope. It's absolutely tremendous. All of those passages of Scripture come right back to one source. There is only one hope. There is no other. And so we'll see that this morning. But I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews and chapter 6, a passage that you might be familiar with. It's really an amazing passage. In Hebrews chapter 6, you know, it talks about the elementary teachings. And also, too, the writer expresses concern that there are some who might not be living uh, according to the call of God, but they're still, quote-unquote, a part of the church. He says, you know, if you don't have fruit in your life, um, you're going to get burned up. But then he says... We're, we're not speaking of you, we're thinking of others. I love this verse 9 in Hebrews chapter uh, 6. He says, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance, the full confidence of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so... Having patiently waited, he, Abraham, obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, but with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, a.k.a. Christians, the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, and I'll add, impossible to break a promise. We have taken refuge, you, we have taken refuge, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, 
and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus Christ has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful to be descendants of Abraham by faith. We are thankful that the great promise of salvation through your indwelling presence has been realized by so many. We are deeply thankful, dear Heavenly Father, that our hope is not based upon anything that we have done, but what your Son accomplished for us on the cross. Father, we serve you not because we are desiring to earn our salvation. Holy Father, we serve you because you have granted us salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus. Holy Father, we pray then this morning that we would come to a better understanding of how the one hope that we have, that one hope is what allows us then to become those who are trustworthy as your son Jesus Christ is trustworthy. We praise you and thank you for the truths that we find in this passage to build our trust in each other as we build our faithful trust in you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. We've talked about trust throughout the year. And if there is a man or woman here of integrity, the character of Christ Jesus, you can trust them. Now, as we've talked about before, trust also has not just the character facet of it, but also the competence. You will not want me to come help you fix your car or truck. You'll probably want Eric or, or Ryan to come help you. So there's a, a, an aspect of competence that comes along with trust. If you're asking someone to teach you how to become a Christian who just recently became a Christian, that might be a challenge because they're still learning that which brings about salvation, even though they've been immersed into Christ. So you want someone who has worked through it, shared it, brought others to Christ, someone who has the experience. Now, the last of the big three has to do with, are they consistent? You see, someone can be great character and someone can know competence what they're doing, but if they don't show up to do the job or you don't know if they're going to or not, that's a challenge as well. You can't really trust them to get it done. But do you remember the last one that I snuck in right at the end? It has to do with our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? We might be men and women of character and virtue. We might be people who are able to demonstrate that virtue in practical application of helping one another. And we might consistently show up. But you know, God is the one that examines the heart. God's the one that examines the motives. It's so important for us to be genuine and transparent with God first and then to be genuine and transparent with each other. Can you trust someone who's genuine and transparent and consistently proves themselves? Well, absolutely. This morning as we work on hope, I pray that you'll recognize and understand how it builds trust. So let's jump right in. First point is very, very quick. If you'll grab your lesson plans, if you have them. Defining the one common hope that we have. What is hope? The Greek word ellipsis, 
really says hope is to anticipate with absolute confidence what God has promised. If God promised it, and you'll step into that promise, you will receive the blessing of that hope. You know, hope is what we put our trust in. Hope is what we put our confidence in. Have you ever put your trust in someone and have them let you down? Have you ever put your trust in a decision that you felt was a correct decision and it didn't work out? Notice our hope oftentimes in this world leads to really frustration. Well, think about it for just a minute. What are some of the things that we oftentimes put our hope in and they fail us? Cars, I heard, whispered in the audience. After a year, my truck is finally running, only to have more problems to show up. You know how that works, you know. Unless you buy a brand new one and you buy a guarantee that guarantees that if anything happens to it, you'll get it replaced, only to find out that COVID has slowed down the marketplace and they can't get your part. Yes. All right, don't put your hope in all cars. Good. Anything else here? Put your hope in anything but cars. No, no. Dishwashers, yes. Anything of this world, man, I'm telling you what. You put your hope in it, and it most surely will fail you at some point in time or another. I wish I could say that you could ask my wife that I've never failed her. And uh, she is an honest woman. You can trust her. You can put your hope in her. She will tell you the truth. So do not ask her. <laughs> Got that? So, you know, we put our hope in, in really most anything in this world, and uh, we will be disappointed at some point in time or another. I hate to say that, but, you know, what? we giggle a little bit when I bring those up, and it's true, isn't it? But you know, we should be able to have hope and confidence in each other. And you know, as I shared last week, I believe more and more I see in this body real trust, real willingness to step up, to, to ask and be asked to help and to offer up help. I've seen it over and over and over again. You know, it's pretty amazing, actually. What we see in the book of Ephesians, what we see in the book of Philippians, in regards to how we are to live in service to others' needs and have people actually step up and help, it's absolutely amazing. And that's really what I think the world wants they want to be loved. They want to be helped. And they really want to have meaning by helping others. They just don't know how to do it. And they have developed habits of self-service, which absolutely destroys any kind of trust in them. But as we lay our lives aside and we step into that life of Christ, as you recall, the greatest among us will be what? The servant of all. I want to take, have you take a look at point number two, the one hope of all true Christians. It's succinctly stated in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 
and verse 1. Now I'll have you turn there with me. And from that we will see the multifaceted nature of the truth of 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. Our hope, our confidence, our trust, our life, our being, our giftedness, our strength, our future, our past, our present, our eternity, are, are held by him. So, if you put your trust in anyone or anything other than Christ Jesus, at some point in time, you'll be disappointed. But you know, the scripture says we're supposed to walk like Jesus. Noah walked with God. Noah walked blamelessly with God. In fact, as you know, as we've said before, literally, he walked step with step and step with God. And that's why he was the one that was found to be faithful to establish then that way of salvation for the world at that time. Setting an example for us that we would walk in that kind of faith. So I want you to take a look at Colossians chapter 1. You see, he is our steadfast hope through one gospel, the one gospel, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jeff did an excellent job talking about that gospel, that one gospel by which we are saved. Not based on our own righteousness, but the righteousness of God. Now let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1, and I want to begin in verse 13. And this is such a powerful passage that speaks of hope in several different ways. So I'm going to work through this, and as you'll see in your notes, you have uh, verses that actually communicate a specific hope. And so verse 13, For he, God, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. There's hope in that statement. There is no other kingdom that has ever been or that ever will be that is eternal and unshakable. When you become a Christian, you enter into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says that we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, for he has made us to be a kingdom and priest to his God and Father. And you read on in chapter 5, that kingdom is eternal and will not end. You and I, if we are in Christ and if Christ is in us, our salvation is absolutely secure. Now you walk away from that and it's no longer secure. You can walk away. You can decide, I'm not going to live for Jesus. I am not going to follow him. And I do not believe that he is who he says he is. You can reject that. I've seen, unfortunately, over the past 39 years, people actually doing that. And it's, it's a horrible thing. But I want to continue to read. It says here in verse 14, in whom, in Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image 
of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the, the, the prototype for all other humans. For by him, for by Christ, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. So let me suggest for just a moment that if we go back and look at this, by him you were created. Through him you were created. For him you were created. And in him your life holds together. Notice he's the Alpha and the Omega of all creation. That means he's the Alpha and Omega of your life. When you put your hope or trust in anyone or anything else, as I said, it's going to shake out at some point in time. But if you will put your trust completely in Jesus Christ, and when I say that, I mean you put your trust, your confidence in him so much so that you'll do what he says according to the scriptures, you'll become that man or woman who looks just like Jesus Christ, who talks just like Jesus Christ, who responds to people just like Jesus Christ. And remember, Jesus is the rock eternal. And your life then characterizes that of the rock eternal. You know, the Bible says that you, church, are the pillar and the support of the truth. You are the rock unshakable if you will embrace Jesus Christ as your one hope. Because it says it right there in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. Jesus Christ, our hope, our confidence, our trust. Now, if we read on through this, it says in verse 18, He, Jesus, is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself, Jesus Christ, will have come, come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Christ Jesus, the fullness of deity to dwell in Christ, and through Christ to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated, and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, the Father, holy and blameless beyond reproach. Number three, reconciled to God through his death, burial, and resurrection. Brethren, I still default to going back and trusting myself. And when I do that, just like you, and I know I'm not condemning anybody when I say this, just like you, I make a disaster of my life. And then Jesus, by the grace of God, is willing to clean me up when I confess my self-servitude and he says, okay, go back in there and live it like me and for me.
Man, I tell you what, the grace of God is awesome. His hope, trusting in him, having your confidence in him, he'll never fail you. Even if you fail him. I love the scripture in 1 Timothy says, this is a faithful statement. Even if you are unfaithful, he'll remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. That word unfaithful means of little faith. When you walk away from the faith, well, then you don't have any faith at all. It's not a little faith. It's no faith. Well, then you're in a big, uh, ugly place. So, brethren, our hope is absolutely secure, not because of what we've done, but because of what he did on the cross. He bore our sins on his body on the cross. He was buried, removing the sins as far as the east is from the west. And when he was raised up, and we were raised up with him through immersion, seated with him in the heavenly places, as Hebrews 6 says, our salvation is steadfast, secure. Our hope is secure. Brethren, I pray that you would recognize that, but let's look at the next verse. Verse 23. If indeed, here it is, it's conditional on you remaining faithful. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established, steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. It breaks my heart in the years that I have served the Lord, when I have taught someone the gospel of Jesus Christ, he coming in the family line of King David as a man, and yet a man filled with the Spirit of God, he gave himself, because he lived a holy and blameless life, he gave himself as a sacrifice, crucified, shedding his blood as payment for your sin and my sin. Being buried, removed from the earth, he was raised on the third day, witnessed as a man alive from the dead, ascended back up into heaven, and he's going to come back to judge the living and the dead. You know how oftentimes I've shared that message? And by the grace of God, so many have responded by wanting to be crucified with him, buried with him, and raised up with him in the waters of immersion so that they too could walk in the newness of life. It was such a beautiful Lord's Supper time with Nicole this morning because I meet with her and Anne. And I asked Nicole, because Anne couldn't make it, and Nicole can't speak very good English, but she goes, I want to, she, ty she types great English, I want to have Lord's Supper with you. So I go, okay, we'll see how this works. And so I made it very simple. I said, Nicole, and I took the little, the little wafer, and I said, when did you receive Christ's new life? When he died on the cross. I said, that's great. But when did you receive that new life? She goes, oh, when I was baptized. I go, yeah. <laughs> and I took the cup and I said, so when were your sins cleansed by his blood? She goes, on the cross. And I go, yes, that's right. But when were you <laughs> washed by the blood? She goes, oh, when I was baptized. Yes. <laughs> And I said, let's remember the salvation that he 
shared, and we partook. There's so many people that have been immersed into Christ for the right reason. They've walked away, and they've even had the boldness to say, baptism does not lead you to salvation. There's no salvation in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. They go back to what? They go back to that denominational garbage that teaches that you receive the Spirit of Christ and the forgiveness of sins some other way than what the gospel of Jesus Christ says. Brethren, don't forsake the truth. How many times I've heard people say in Bible study, and I know some of you have heard this too, well, that means that not very many people are Christians. If that's how it's done, then there's not very many people who are Christians. That can't be true. You know what that means? It means that we need to get to work. We need to take the time to lay the scriptures out for people. That's what it really means. You go, oh, yeah, it's true. There's not a lot of people who've been taught the truth. There's so many counterfeits out there. But if the Bible says it over and over and over again, we must communicate that. There is hope in no one else. There is only one gospel. Only one, there's hope in only one gospel. What does it say here? If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established, steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. The book of Ephesians chapter 1 you take a look at that verse 13 and 14. After hearing the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also been sealed in him with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, how are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? Well, Peter said, when they asked, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be immersed, baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. You'll receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit after the gospel had been preached. And every time after that, we see that pattern. The longer I live, the more I'm convinced. When I first was immersed into Christ, I was told by several in the church, the denominational church that I had been going to, that I had been suckered into a cult. Said the cult leader at a church that did not recognize the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brethren, it's so important that we recognize that our hope is found only in Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not walk away from that. In closing, this morning, because I'm going to be good about getting you out of here at 1230. Thanks, Ken, for helping me out to get to through point number two today. <laughs> Verse 24 through the closing. Now I rejoice, Paul says, in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a, a servant, a minister, according to the stewardship 
that gift of ministry from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, fully carry out the preaching literally of the gospel that is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations but now has been manifested to the saints to whom God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory of this mystery which uh, a mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory the confident expectation that you were given glory when you were immersed and you're being transformed into the same image of glory until you see him face to face on the last day. Brethren, I don't know about you, but if I put my hope in anyone or anything else, I will come up short. Now you're saying, well, you trust your wife, don't you? Absolutely, positively, but I don't trust her to save me. I don't trust her for my salvation. I sure do trust her in helping me straighten my wrinkled life up sometimes. She's a helpmate, man. She's the right kind of helpmate. Ladies, if you're a helpmate, help your husband privately to get his wrinkles straightened out. <laughs> Don't do it public. Do it private and do it with, with respect and gentleness. But still, man, I love my wife. I do. Even when she's helping me get some of those wrinkles figured out. By the way, I'm not as wrinkly as I used to be because of Sharon. But my hope is not based upon Sharon helping me get all my wrinkles worked out. Okay, It's in Christ. Now, how's that going to help us trust each other more? That's a great question. I'll answer that question next week. But don't forget this lesson. And please bring this lesson plan back. Stick it in your Bible with all the other lessons that you've, you keep in there. Just remember where you put it. <laughs> All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, our confidence, our trust, our hope is completely in your Son, Jesus Christ. The beautiful song that I sang this morning in regards to trusting you, for we have proved you o'er and o'er, and you've always found to be faithful. Help us, Father, to trust you Put our confidence and our trust completely in you so that our hope will be in him who is eternal. His kingdom, which is eternal. His gospel, which is eternal. Your spirit, he who indwells us is eternal. That we may walk with you now and that we may walk with you then we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. Now, I got one bit of good news. We have another preacher coming, who's committed to coming and preaching for us at Oregon Family Camp. Now, how many of you know who we got so far? 
We have Sue Nguyen. We have Jeremy Wilson. We have Steve Doty. And Phil Sutton. Josiah Sutton. Matt Kaikala! Now, I'm going to try to strong arm the preacher from Alvador Christian Church. I don't know. If he'll do it, but because he's kind of a tough sell, but we'll see if we can get him to preach as well. So we got preachers from all over. Who? Matthew? Oh, Hartford. Yes. Well, thank you very much for adding that in there. Oh, yeah, Kirk Heimbach. Oh, my goodness. All right, get ready. We got him coming from all over. Wouldn't it be great to have Oleg G. Lennon come and preach? Well, pray about that. They won't let him out. He's dangerous to the United States. <laughs> All right, you're dismissed. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.